Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the In The Saddle podcast where I'm in the hot seat this week and I'm joined by our usual panel of Paul Callahan and Mark Karoski. But before we get into the tips where we'll be looking at the action at Doncaster featuring the Lincoln Handicap and also as well looking at a couple of jumps races at Newbury, let's see how the lads are. Paul, how's it going? Haven't seen you since um, since our Cheltenham preview. How's it going? Yeah, it was very well. It seems like a, it seems like an age ago since we did the, the Cheltenham preview, but uh, all's very good. Still working away, thankfully from from home, uh, keeping busy. College as well, and that sort of stuff. Family life is is keeping me on my toes, so I can't complain. And how about you, Mark? Are you getting any pay rises, or did uh, you get cleaned out by Cheltenham at Betfair? We um we had quite a quite a good Cheltenham. Um, obviously from the company wise obviously we had that massive fourth fold racking up uh, going on to was that four fold or five fold it was for five pound I know that going on to Envoy Alley and um, it's quite funny actually personally I thought Envoy Alley was a, was a good thing and as you boys can see I've got that signed painting of Envoy Alley <laughs> it must have been an absolute jinx I ordered it a week before and obviously the unthinkable happened but um, good PR for, for the business but from a personal point of view obviously profitable I was um, really Maybe rubbing people up the wrong way about my honeysuckle chat for the champion hurdle 1401 for February uh, around January um, and obviously four important vanilla one as well at huge prices so it was a uh, very very profitable and I um, obviously Santini let us down in the, the gold cup I'm not really sure where, where where we go with that one now but um, yeah thought about the Cheltenham Blues but been uh, back to the, the normal nine to five working hard and um, hopefully we can get a couple of winners this week at Doncaster and Newbury. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to find a few winners. Had to get, obviously, the, the flat hat back on as um, the flat turf season finally starts on Saturday. And I'm looking forward to going through this card with you guys. So let's get into it then. The first race we're going to be looking at is the 2 o'clock, the Doncaster Mile Stakes, a listed race. And we'll go to pull for uh, this one to start things off. What do you like in the two o'clock at Donny Pool? I like Montatham for James Doyle and William Haggis. Um, Montatham ran well for a long way when finishing 19th of 27 when last seen in the Cambridgeshire. He raced on the far side. There was a group of seven and he led them for a long way. He was still there on sufferance really, I think, approaching the two pole. All the pace was on the near side. So I think, you know, given that, I think that that run wasn't all that bad it was at the end of the season so one them he's won first time out on the last both the last two seasons and he's pretty versatile as far as the goal is concerned he's won on ground from soft ranging from soft to good to firm he's drawn in stall eight so he's drawn closer towards the stands rail here which i think would be an advantage and i'm expecting a big run from one them yeah definitely he was a rapid improver last year wasn't he um running well in handicaps and then starting to step up in class. He, he was definitely one a lot. I know a lot of people followed uh, last season. How about you, though, Mark? I, do you like Montatham or were you looking elsewhere? I quite like Richard Fahey's Space Traveller. Uh, it's currently 11-2. to two. Ran a solid race last time out in the Queen Anne Stakes Group 1 on the 16th of June 2020. Uh, Circus Maximus won the Queen Anne Stakes that day as a solid yardstick of Aidan O'Brien's. He went on to finish second to Order of Australia in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, prior to the Space Traveller run in the Breeders' Cup Mile Grade 1 on the 2nd of November 2019, 
won the Boomerang Stakes Group 2 on the 14th of September 2019, so clearly highly fought off within the yard. Um, has to overcome a 284-day layoff, but I think looks overpriced at 11-2, to 2, and Kieran Schumer takes the right. So my selection for the 2 o'clock Doncaster Mile Stake list is Space Traveller, currently 11-2. to 2. You know what, Mark? You must have been reading my mind, because that's the way I was thinking. On ratings, he's officially the best horse in the race, got a rating of 113 I think that uh, run in, in the Queen Anne Stakes or Royal Ascot is the best piece of form on offer. He's a course winner. He's versatile on all sorts of ground. Kieran Schumark is uh, in the plate on this one, as Daniel Tudhope, who normally rides for the Clipper Logistics, will be uh, at Maidan uh, riding Lord Glitters at the Dubai World Cup Carnival. So uh, not a negative, in my opinion, as Kieran rides a lot of the Clipper horses as well. He's kind of like the deputy jockey, so that wouldn't be an issue. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he, he brings the best form to the table, goes well fresh. And uh, yeah, he, he would be the way I'd be playing at the prices. So it's uh, Montathan for Poole, and for myself and Mark, it's Space Traveller. We then move on to the 310 for the feature race of the two-day meeting at Doncaster, the Lincoln Handicap. And we'll go to Mark for this one. Which one did you like in the Lincoln? I'm quite keen on Richard Nahan and Man of the Night. Um, we were quite keen on this one last last time out as well, Chris. Um, form reads eight from fair team last time at Wolverhampton um, in the Lincoln trial handicap, but it was only being two lengths behind uh, Born to Alive, who reopposes uh, on Saturday. However, uh, was denied a clear run in the closing stages. I was quite well found in the market that day. Uh, that run on the 12th of March should, should blow away the cobwebs. Um, the form behind Zambio Champion at the Heritage Handicap on the 10th of July 2020, I mean, that solid form, I mean, I think, I think 25 to 1 is a huge price, and this one could potentially go off bigger on the exchange as well. And obviously, if you're getting any any additional place terms um, on the sports book, I can see this one running an absolute huge race. And I wouldn't be too too put off by uh, Ross Ryan taking the right. I know Sean Levy is opting for another Richard Cannon runner here, but um, I think Man of the Night 25 to 1 looks a solid bet here. Yeah, I quite like his chances. I thought his run last time actually at Wolverhampton was quite eye catching. Um, he wasn't too far. He stopped in the run, wasn't he? I mean, he, he was running on quite well. Um, I don't think Sean Levy was too hard on Man of the Night. Um, I think this was obviously the long term plan. Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, I think that was just a prep run, and I've seen him. Uh, in a in a video that Richard Hannon did, that uh, he said that Matt, Man of the Night would would come forward for the run, so that's interesting there. But he wasn't far beaten at all. It was a blanket finish, I think, between the majority of the runners in that race. That is, so I, I expect he'll come forward for that run. And I think going back on the turf as well, that'd be more up his street. But uh, yeah, I, I'm keen on his chances there. How about you, Paul? Um, did did you have a strong fancy in the Lincoln? I really like Andrew Ball in Train Grove Ferry. Drawn and stall twelve, with young William Carver claiming a valuable five off nine stone five. If you go back to his last couple of runs, Grove Ferry, he was second two starts ago, which was his last start on turf behind a horse called Tom Fred, who's rated one hundred and nine. He was only beaten a half a length. Drawn and stall two, that was on heavy ground, and the highest rated here in the link in the Lincoln on Saturday is rated one hundred and five. I think if he runs on it near that run or even improves on that, which I think he will. He was drawn in stall two. Oshie Murphy was on board and he pretty much raced. He kicked on. He made a bid for home around about two furlongs out and he was race, racing on his own. Tom Frick came up the centre of the track. So he was pretty much racing on his own and, you know, he had nothing to make him competitive. 
on his last start, Grove Ferry won nicely at Lingfield under Ryan Moore. That was at the end of February. And he showed a real good ground action. So I think that run on heavy ground at Donny, I think, you know, for the, the ones that are saying from Fran Berry, I think he would maybe upgrade that, that run slightly. He was only beaten half a length. And I think John is still 12. You know, he's drawn towards the he'll be middle to stand side, I think, which I think will, will suit him. And I think Grove Ferry, with a lot of firms paying five places, I think he's a cracking each way bet. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's definitely got the profile you need to win the win to win this race. Um, the four-year-olds have got a great record in this race in recent years. Um, in the last two renewals back in 2019, when the race was run, we had Auxerre. He was a four-year-old. He could have been a group class horse potentially, but unfortunately, he died as a four-year-old. And then the year before that, we had Adib, uh, who's now a Group One horse for for William Haggishno. So, I think the four-year-olds is the way. Um, you want to be playing in, in this race I like another four year old um, away from Man of the Night even though I do quite like his chances the one I quite liked was Dania for Kieran Schumach and Owen Barrows um, he had quite a progressive profile last season you know coming through the through the handicap um, coming through the handicaps and uh, his last uh, win at Haydock I thought was really impressive in fact actually I did a bit of digging into uh, the kind of trends for to win this race and actually winning at Haydock when you were a three-year-old was a, a good tick in the box because um, Auxerre and Adair won at Haydock before they ran at Doncaster uh, when they were three-year-olds and I just think being able to handle a, a stiff um, long straight it really comes in handy compared to maybe some of these that have been running around bends and things I know it sounds a bit trivial but I just think that um that's quite an interesting statistic there but Dania has a pretty impressive profile he's got a handicap mark of 98 there could be a little bit more to come and uh, in the colors of Sheikh Hamdan Al Maktoum who unfortunately we lost a couple of days ago he's been a great servant to to racing over the years obviously many famous horses this would be a fitting win for him you also as well have a couple of other horses at the top of the market that have been attracting some strong market support in recent days Eastern World for Charlie Appleby. Got a similar profile to Auxerre when he won this a couple of years ago. And also as well, Herkiki uh, has uh, Benoit Dallasayette has been booked for the new Gosden operation. And obviously he's uh, been riding really well this uh, winter on the all-weather and claims the valuable £7 allowance. So um, you can definitely see why the money's come for him. Um, what do you think on on their chances mark just on to the uh this one i mean i'm looking at the price here i was looking through my studying earlier and i just i, I can't see why this is seven to two like personally I, mean, I can understand this this seven pound claim i've been at the let's say it um personally i think there has been a bit of an overreaction from this um this this is one that i'd actually be looking to place lay be five and six places. I, I think this will be I think there's a big difference between riding steering jobs at Kempton and two two runner maidens to uh to this standard of racing. I think this will be a rabbit on a flat uh, headlights. And I can see I don't think the form's that great either. And fortunately I think there there's value here opposing this one um elsewhere. Seven to two seven pound claimer and and this size of field against this class of jockey. Um, again, this, I mean, I think he's used to riding horses that have got stolen hands around Kempton. I mean, th this is completely different. I can see this one being out, being out the five here. No, I I can see your your take on it. I think it's a bit of marmite with this horse. You're either with him or against him. I can see why people 
would be with him because I have been impressed by Benoit de la Sayette and it's really interesting that they're trusting him. Uh, he's to... writing steering jobs around, around the all-weather though, Chris. But like, his... this, this is just a completely different kettle of fish. This. But seven pounds in a race of this nature, uh, I think actually weight means a lot more than experience in my personal opinion. Seven pounds in a competitive handicap like this, I think it's really interesting. And he has been compared already to Frankie Dottori, you know. He's um, never ridden on the track, though. No, he hasn't ridden on the turf yet, so that is a possible negative. I think um, I'm being a bit over over negative, but I'm just looking at from a from a pricing point of view. I I think he is seven or two short enough. Okay. I think you're you're being a south pole elf here, Mark. I think uh, I I think you're being a little bit too negative, a bit harsh on on Ben Hodder, Let's say it. I mean, uh, if I can get odds on on the place, I'll take that all day. Yeah, I just I think if the horse doesn't run tactically, maybe but you're getting the seven pound for that. Tactically, he's obviously going to be inexperienced hence the seven pound claim. But I think he rides well for a seven pound claimer, um, and I think it's you know the the Gosdens wouldn't be putting him up if they didn't think he was up to the job. Sure, he's going to make mistakes and that, but seven pound claim comes into that, and that's the chance you're taking. I think he is he's an above average seven pound claimer. I think he's balanced and. And what he's shown on the all weather is above average for for a seven pound claimer, and I hope he stays on the on the right track and fulfills the, his potential. But yeah, I don't think if the, if the horse finishes unless he unless the clock in his head goes severely out the window and he goes hair and off, I think if the horse finishes worse than mid div, I don't think he could he could nail it down to the jockey. No, I I agree with you. I think I think he's value for a seven pound. And I th- I think he'll be told to just sit in the midfield or sit in the pack because this horse is a hold up performer, and um, he needs to prove that he gets a mile. So I don't think going and being in a handy position is really going to suit him. So I I think he'll be fine. Um, but it just could be a better horses on the day. He might be ahead of him. But so uh, I can see why the money's come from. But then again, I can see why some people might want to take him on. You know, because he is inexperienced. You know, it is going to be a big day for him. You know. Um, but yeah, the Gosdens know what they're doing as well. You know, they don't have too many apprentices coming through their ranks. You know, they don't normally give too many opportunities to people unless they think they're already there or they're going to go right to the top. So it's an interesting uh, call that what they've done. But I, I think Kikiki's got as good a chance as any in the race. But uh, yeah, we'll quickly then just round off on the Lincoln. Uh, Paul likes Grow Fairy. Uh, Mark likes Man of the Night. I also as well will be having a small saver on him. But my main selection for the race would be Daniel for Owen Burrows. We then move on to our final race at Doncaster, which we'll be looking at. And that is the Camage Trophy Stakes, a listed race over six furlongs. Who did we like in the, in the listed sprint race, Paul? Mm, I'd be treading a little carefully here. Brando had a form in the book, but it's, it's a little hit and miss. Emirata Anna is interesting. This is first start since being gelded and also since having a wind operation. So it'd be interesting to see what, what side of the bed he gets out on for Kevin Ryan and Andrea Zenny. Just Frank is interesting. Plenty of potential there um, for Les Air and Lewis Edmonds. Very rarely runs a bad race. He hasn't finished out of the first two on his last four runs, but I'd just be a little bit concerned. You know, he's a three-year-old taking on the older horses, which I, I would be of some concern. So I'm going to a tentative selection here for the, the Richard Fahey train, Mr. Lupton, to Paul Hannigan. He's a group two winner at the Curra. 
his form is also a little in and out, but I think he'll either run a cracker and finish in the first three or else he'll be tailed off. I, I don't see any in between with him. He's pretty versatile as far as, as tactics are concerned, so I don't think stall three is going to be too much of an inconvenience. First time out of the season, first time out this season when he's fresh, it just could be the time to, to catch Mr. Lupton. Yeah, Mr. Lupton, he's been a great old servant, hasn't he, for, for Richard Fire, You know, he's even been to Ireland, I think, and won some big races there at the Curry, you know, so definitely been a great old servant for Rich Fine. Who knows, he, he might be able to um, catch these off guard, but yeah, certainly a wide open race. How about you, Mark? What did you like in the Cambridge Trophy? I think uh, Brando was quite short at the top of the bank, and this one does like it soft. Um, it might, might not be too soft for Kevin Ryan's Brando on Saturday. I quite liked um, Just Frank, Les Ayers, uh, is currently 5-1, to one. Lewis Edmonds takes the rides. Stepped up markedly uh, from the first first two runs of Pontefract and Redcar in June 2020. Uh, won at first impressively on the 14th of September 2020. Stepped up with an easy win, easy win in the 150,000 tarsals October auction stakes at Newmarket on the 3rd of October 2020, making all win racing in the centre by four four and a half lengths. That last run finished in second behind Aidan O'Brien's Lipizenar in the Doncaster Listy Stakes on the 24th of October, reads well. I mean, this one went on to finish fourth behind Wesley Ward's highly touted Golden Pal in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Stakes Grade 2 turf. So, just Bank also, an interesting one here, gets a stone in weight with being a three-year-old here. Um, and if Lesier just frankly, I mean, is trained on it, I think it'd be difficult to beat. And again, Kevin Ryan's Brando um, heads a bang at nine and four. I mean, he's clean on ratings, but for me, this one's, it can be hit and miss and is ground dependent. I think the shorter the better for Brando because I think it creates value elsewhere. Um, in Lesier, and he's, he's a decent trainer. I, just, I think just Frank uh, could make all here. I think five to one's a good price. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting angle. And what's a positive of him is he'll be getting bags of weight from all his rivals because of that three year old allowance. Uh, and I completely agree with you on Brando. Uh, I couldn't back Brando in this. He always, to me, doesn't quite run well uh, fresh. He always needs needs his first run of the season. And I think he would prefer, ideally, a little bit of cut in the ground. So even though he is probably the class act on his day in this field, I, I would take him on. Uh, just Frank, though, I wonder if he might just get found out here. He might need the run. And I'm wondering if he might be not experienced enough yet against the older horses, as this is going to be the first time he's taken on the older horses. I'm taking a bit of a flyer on one here. I'm kind of gone for the Kieran Schumach, um treble. I'm going with uh, Royal Commando, um, and he's been booked, Kieran, to ride for Charlie Hills. This horse is a bit of a monkey, I think, um, but... He's got one standout piece of form in the book from last year where he finished fourth at 250 to 1, where he wasn't disgraced at all in the Commonwealth Cup behind Golden Horde. He's a horse to, that seems to me to run well fresh, and he's also as well won at Doncaster on his only start uh, at the course. So I think that's a positive in his favour. He, he'll prefer the better ground. I think the time could be to catch him fresh. I thought this was a completely open race, to be honest with you. Not not really a great betting, one that had a great betting appeal, but I think Royal Commando, he's sprung up at big prices before. I thought he might be able to run a big race and could be one to maybe um, 
make the frame at an each way price. So um, it's Mr. Lupton for Paul and it's just Frank for Mark and my selection is Royal Commando. We then go to the jumps action at Newbury. Not a bad card there on Saturday, a few nice races. And we're gonna be looking at the 250, a handicap, the Bet Victor Novices handicap hurdle over two miles and two furlongs. Who did we like in this one, Mark? You've got the two four-year-olds at the top of the bank, good ball uh, for Paul Nichols and Hudson Duguri for uh, Gary Moore. Um, so getting, getting a bit of weight off the older horses here. But I like the outsider of the field, Pressure Luck, for uh, Chris Gordon and Tom Cannon. It's currently 25 to 1. Um, if you go back and watch that run last time, I also on the form figures, you can just see drop down. Um, I actually want to oppose the top two in the bed here. Good ball. I, I think the rating, I think he's rated 131 he's rated at the moment. I think 131 is high enough for, for what this one's done. Um, Hudson's agree. I mean, one impressed me last time out, but will it be able to back up? I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, I just think that pressure luck. This one was absolutely tanking last time out when it got brought down on the 20th of March at Kempton uh, by Get Prepared. I mean, three out. I mean, I, I, th I think he would have won pressure luck. I mean, absolutely tanking that day. Um, and this, this horse is highly thought of within the Chris Gordon yard. Um, huge price at 25 to 1, especially with uh, three, three places available on the sportsbook right now. Um, and also, you've got that additional place on the, the Betford Exchange. And Chris Gordon's stable operating at 17% strike rate as well, four from 24. I just think this one sort of went under the radar here. Um, as long as that last run doesn't, doesn't take anything out, out of the horse, um, definitely has a chance here. This is a sort of one where, I mean, if you can get anything above 20, I don't think it'd be 25 of the accuracy money for this one. I'm a little bit on the on the win and have your tank on the four places here because I, I think this is this is pretty wide open and I can I want to take on the the top two of the betting here. Now I, I can understand your logic. Pressure luck, in my opinion, I think he could be a little bit too high in the weights and his prominent style of running might not exactly be suited here at Newbury. He 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 would be one that I I I couldn't personally back even though. I'm a sucker for a Chris Gordon horse, and they've now had their joint best ever season uh, when they had a winner with Black Centaur at Plumpton on Monday. Just thought I'd get that that plug in there for Chris Gordon. But uh, yeah, I, I think um, Pressure Lucky, I know they like him, but I think he's going to be one of those classic does better over a fence types. Um, but uh, yeah, he'll have the ground in his favour at least. He, he He's reliant on some decent ground. But you've got to think, Crystal, if, if I understand what you're saying with the with going over the fences, but if this thing wasn't off, why why would they run run him against so quickly? The, the the reason they're probably running him is because the ground's in his favour. Um, like I said, he's very ground dependent. This horse, um, he he did uh, on his point to point form anyway. Uh, he he ran on good ground. Um, earlier in the season, he was winning at Newton Abbott. You you talk to good ground now. And whilst we've had a recent dry spell in England now for the last few weeks, Chris Gordon has to, has to throw the dice um, and get as many runs out of him before it probably turns soft again. So I can see where you're coming from with him, but he would be uh, a slight negative for me. And I would. You give me forty to one then, Chris Loader. I know you've been in terrible form right now. Give me forty to one. I'll give you sixty-six to one, mate. 
Paul Callan's getting worried now in case the top of the table. I'm going to be like, oh, good. What do you mean that? Oh, I didn't get that. What does that mean? He's certainly not going to be out for a for a schooling exercise, is he? Had to be. There's no such thing. Well, I just think the way he travelled last time, I tried short and running. I think he would have won, and I don't think this is that that great a race. I think it's interesting as well. Tom Cannon's on board actually. He's, he was he would have first call I'd imagine on on Chris Gordon's horses um, and I, I'd imagine Chris would be wanting to claim off 11-12 with Mount Windsor I'm just reading between the lines but it's, um, Tom would ride a lot now for, for Alan King doesn't he and I'd, I'd imagine he's maybe not as available as, as maybe he once was to, to Chris but I'd imagine he would have had the choice to, to say yeah or nay to, to pressure up possibly um i think mount windsor i know they absolutely love this horse um the plan actually was to go to the bet fair hurdle but he just had a little bit of, of a setback but uh no i think i think they're just trying to give this horse an easy time of things before he might go up in class next season you know um he uh he absolutely romped home by 22 lengths of font while the handicapper did have a say uh, racing thirteen pounds for the win, but I think Mount Windsor. I wouldn't personally back him in this race, but I, I, because I like to see how he might develop. Because there's one or two others I like, but uh, just yeah. like you know, Chris, just that six six to one went through to the trader there, and the, the bets on just so you're aware. But, but so, like all, but, the but like all, all good bookmakers, I restrict your stake, mate, to five p. So that's all you're getting off me. <laughs> but, but so max liability, what three pound fifty is lucky loaders. Yeah, that sounds about right, mate. Anyway, what do you like in this one, Paul? Um, do you like Chris Gordon's uh, runners, or uh, are we looking elsewhere? I like Chris Gordon's runners, but I would do well. I won't be investing in them, put it that way. Um, and by process of elimination at the top of the market, good ball. I think is short enough for what he's done. He was a winner two starts ago. I don't know if I'm being a little harsh. I slightly question his attitude on his last run. I thought he had every chance. Um, going to three out, he looked the winner. He went on, maybe ridden with a little more restraint on Saturday. He, he might get home. You know, he was well held by Gowell Road of Nigel Preston Davis, beaten by a comfortable five and a half lengths in the end. That was over two miles. But if you stop the race on the approach to three out, you would call good ball the winner. Um, even from the from turning for home, the turning for home at Newbury, bang on when you straighten up at Newbury, you're still you're bang on half a mile from home, four furlongs, and it, it is a long way. If you think you have to go for home from there, count to ten and maybe count again, um, it's a long long run in, and even from the last hurdle, you're a little over a furlong out. It does take a bit of getting, but I just question his attitude from that run. As I said, it could be a little harsh, but he wears the tongue tie, so I don't know if he's if he's catching his wind ever so slightly, and that could be the reason. We'll we'll soon find out. Um, Hooper was a fortuitous winner on his last run at Hereford. There was a faller. He kind of was the, the beneficiary of a, a final flight departure at Hereford back on the 13th of March. Prior prior to that, he was a good winner of an all-weather at Jumpers Bumper. Um, Nick with a bonville on board for Nicky Henderson, but... I'm going to side with the Gary Moore train, Hudson the Groozy, Josh Moore on board. Hasn't finished out of the first two on his last five starts. I'd be a little more confident if Newbury saw a little rain between now and Saturday afternoon. But I think if, if he's still in line in with a fighting chance on the approach to the second last, I think he'd certainly not go down without a fight. And, um, you know, I know he, he's won round Sandown, two Sandown 
wins on heavy ground and he was allowed to dictate. But um, he was a good winner on his last start, turning out of the back. He, you know, he, he had them at it. And I thought he, he let them just come to his tail before kicking on when they were in the home straight on the approach to the final flight. And I think he's he won on good ground in France, which I don't know. I never rode in France, but they're generally, you know, when we see French recruits, they're generally they've all won on soft or heavy ground. So seeing a good ground winner in France is, is very unusual to say the least. And I don't know how good ground in France, how good it actually is. But um, I, th- I, th- I think he's a cracking attitude and I think he'll not be far away Hudson the Grigi. He's a good ball angle. I mean, that, that's pretty, that's pretty threes on last time out and running. And I agree with you, the attitude angle. I mean, if this thing comes up against yours up the running, um, he's got absolutely no chance. Uh, good he's point. A, I, I think a, he looks like a chaser to me. Yeah, he's a gorgeous looking horse. Um, and from, from turning out of the back, but he'll certainly be up there. He likes to go forward. But, do you know, when you, if, you start, if you watch the race from turning out of the back, if you watch the last five furlongs of the race, he's the winner up until maybe the last furlong and a half or so. Um, you know, jumping two out, you think he's he's gone. I think he he absolutely winged the second last and landed landed with momentum carried him forward. He landed a good two lengths, two to three lengths ahead, and the winners just clocked him then on, on the run to the last. And the winners quickened away nicely in closing stages. And just worry, all horses get up, have a win procedure done. I think for when the when the giant Paul Nichols, but I would just worry with the tongue tie. Is there something catching him when he does come under pressure? When he does hit the, the, that fifth or sixth gear? When he's asked to quicken, is there something catching him that he's going, do you know, that maybe he just can't fill his lungs? I, I don't know. He'd be one to get in running here. I, again, I think he could travel like a dream here and just find nothing off the bridle. Yeah. Chris Loader fancies him. You can tell he, for the last, I, I, last I, couple of minutes, he's been like, oh, no. I, I know, all the negativity. I thought he had a cracking chance because I thought, actually, it could be a good bit of placement here by Paul Nichols because he'll get the, the allowance for the four-year-old uh, age. And also as well, um, I I thought the fact that there's so many in here. There, I I looking at the race, I can at least see four potential pace angles. Uh, you're gonna have the likes of Hudson probably want to go uh, forward. One true king's gone forward in the past. Mount Windsor's gone forward in the past. So as pressure luck, you know, if they go a good pace for him, it could just help him really settle. Because if you go back and watch the win, um. Of good ball from his from his first run at Newbury on his British debut, God, he looked in need of the run that day, and he looked like he was going to be beaten. But he found enough ability to to get him through it, and he ended up winning quite occasionally. I think going up in trip will help him, and I know I know he he had every chance to maybe beat. Gal Road, but I think Gal Road is a nice horse and has got a, a rating of 137. I know he disappointed at Cheltenham, but I, I think that was a good run at Newbury. And I just think in this race, it might just set up for him. The one angle I would be against him could be possibly the wind. Uh, I think that's an inter- interesting angle. And the stable form of Paul Nichols, they've had three winners from their last 52 runners. This is a politician's selection here, Chris Loder. Backerly, let us know. Backerly. I I I would rather be with Good Bull than And nine to four? Maybe he is a bit short at nine to four. I've seen five to two out there though. I'm not just plugging Betfair prices for you. I think he's five to two with Boyle Sports. Yeah. Good Irish. Yeah. <laughs> but I think Boyles would, I think Boyles would have my business on this one, mate. 
You can edit that. <laughs> you can you can have as much as you want on Chris Loader, as much as you want. Um, no, we'll go back to it now. Um, yeah, I think I'd agree with the form of Paul Nichols, and I'd, I'd question the form. Nicky Henderson horses are, are obviously a little hit or miss as well. Yeah, certainly got an open looking. It's certainly an open look. I think on a day, I think this this market could look completely different. I could see Hudson de Grugge going off favourite around the nine and four mark. I think the, I think the Hud good ball probably will drift. Um, and pressure luck, obviously the smart money will come for this one, and this one will shorten up. It's a tricky time of year, I think, to be getting involved for, for punters. I think because you know the, the jump season's coming to an end, and your horses maybe that'll run a little flat and, and what have you. I know we're coming into the 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 Grand National time of year and but on the flip side of that then the flat season is starting to get going so I'm sure Saturday evening you'll have trainers thinking that the horse is a little more forward or possibly some horses could be over the top and what have you some people could be nicely surprised some people will be spot on as well but yeah you just no one will know till everyone will be the, the wise of Saturday afternoon but just the, the National Hunt season it's always kind of trained carefully just you, you'll have horses running a, a little bit flat yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it can it's when we're getting that crossover period of the summer, yeah. jumpers coming back, and then horses that maybe were showing good form a couple of months ago, but maybe they've just already peaked for the season and probably want to now go on holiday for the summer. But uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be it'll be an interesting race to watch. I think this, even though um, obviously we're all in disagreement, but uh, one of us. Hopefully, we'll be proved right. But so, uh, yeah, quickly and just recap the selections um, for everybody. Hudson de Grugia is for Paul. And then for Mark, he's going with the outsider, the rag of the field, press your luck. The second choice for Chris Gordon. We then go to the feature race at Newbury. And the last race we're going to be previewing here on the podcast the 325 at Newbury, the EBF, Bet Victor, National Hunt, Novices, Mares. Hurdle, uh, limited handicap, grade two, series final. Who did we like in the feature event at Newbury Pool? Again, tensor selection here. I'm going with the Paul Nichols train, Kilmington Rose, Harry Cobden on board. Now, this lightly raced daughter presenting is only having her third start over hurdles. She finished a good second of 15 on her latest outing. That was at Wincanton back at the beginning of December. She went forward and you know, she was made plenty of use of on that occasion, and she was only, she was only, you know, worried out of it in the end. And the winner got got kind of stayed on best, having been held up in round about midfield. I'd imagine she might just be ridden with a little more restraint here, and I think that you can afford to do that at Newbury as opposed to to Wincanton. You know, that was a step forward, having been a second at Wincanton than what she had previously shown over hurdles. She's clearly held in in some regard by connections to have a crack at this, so. I think Kilmington Rose might give you a good good run for your money. Yeah, she definitely has been well fancied in the market on quite a few of her runs. But, uh, yes, we haven't seen her for a little while. But it's interesting that Connections are, are aiming here. And they obviously think she's got a decent chance of running well. How about you, Mark? Did you like one in here or did, was it not that appealing for you? Well, Paul will be hoping that Mr Paul Nichols bounces back to form in the uh, 325 at Newbury on Saturday. But... Um, I quite liked uh, Rose of Arcadia uh, for Paul Tizard and uh, John Joe O'Neill. I think, uh, according to the first win on the 4th of February, beating Fable by a neck, um, obviously that 
form has been frank since. I uh, appreciate, this, appreciate the step up in trips to 2-mile 5 that day, just holding on by a neck, but I think there was more in the tank. Uh, it was heavily gambled that day and was the first winner for the stable um, over that barren spell. You know, they went so long um, without getting a winner. Um, and obviously, Fable has frank the horn wing at Huntington and Haydock since. I'm not too worried about stepping back down to 2-mile 4. Um, I think Roosevelt Arcadia has the potential to be a lot better than 120 here. Um, a lot of horses in, are in the grip of the handicapper as well. I think Rose of Arcadia looks more like a 5-2 to two chance here. Um, I'm very confident. I think 5-1 to is a big price, especially um, for the each-way angle here. I mean, you'd see them coming for uh, Rose of Arcadia. I think this will probably go up about 11-4, 3-1, to one, and I still think that's value. It looks, it looks a lot better than 120, in my opinion. Mm, that's interesting, because I would actually make her slightly bigger. Personally, I I think um I think she's the wrong price. Um, I think she won't like the ground. I think she needs it slightly deeper. I know the form that Wincanton on her last start where she won has worked out okay. Um, I think the second and the third have both won since. So. Yeah, the form looks really good, Chris, and I think that Baron spell has I, actually created a lot of very well handicapped contest of horses. The true maybe now's the time to get them. True, but. The Tizards keep doing this to you. They keep pulling you in, thinking they've turned a corner, but I don't think they have. Last week, some of their horses ran well at Cheltenham. I've been watching some of their horses this week, and they've just not been finishing their races out. I, I, I honestly, I think they, they, they like to tease you, thinking they're back in form, and then they're go, going out of form. I, I can see why Rose of Arcadia is at the top of the market, got that profile, you know, she might have a little bit more in hand, you know. Form is fairly good from her last run, but I'm not so sure personally. So, yeah, I actually really like one in this race at Newbury. I like uh, Dan Skelton's Marada. Bridget Andrews is booked as Harry's going to be riding at Kelso on Saturday. But, yeah, you need a classy type of horse to win this race. The last few winners have been some really exciting mares, actually. You had uh, Annie Mack win it back in 2019. Roxana um and bridget was aboard that day if i remember back back uh, when she won it on in 2018 and then also as well snow leopardess has been a good mare for charlie longston she finished fourth in the national hunt chase so you're looking at a classier type and this marada has been in uh some decent rate or she's done some good things so far this season her last run at huntington against the boys uh, has worked out quite well as the chris gordon horse we love chris gordon horse here Pavlovsky, uh, he won at Kempton last week in a decent novice hurdle, and uh, she had to give him weight that day as well, I think, or she was on similar terms. Um, but yeah, she does have a rating of one three one. I think she's around that rating. I don't think she's got loads in hand, but she's. I think she brings some of the best form to the table. There could be one or two in here that are unexposed, like you said, both of you with your selections. But for me, I, I just quite like Murata here, and I think she's the wrong price, and I think she should be a lot shorter. And I think 8-1, to one, I think she, she should be m more heading towards favourite rather than her current price. But, yeah, she, she'd be the way I would be playing in this race. So quickly then, just round off the selections. Paul likes Kilmington Rose for Paul Nichols. Mark likes a favourite, Rose of Arcadia. And I'm going with Murata for Dan Skelton. So before we just go into a little bit of any other business where we'll just quickly discuss the Jockeys Championship, we'll just go through uh, the team's naps. My one is actually going to be Murata in the 325 at Newbury. Like I said, I really fancy her chances. I think she brings some of the best form to the table. And I think she, uh, she'll she go very close and is 
completely the wrong price at the time of recording. So she's going to be my nap. Uh, what's your nap going to be, Paul? Are we staying with the races we've been previewing or are we going elsewhere? No, I'm going to go elsewhere. I think I'm going to go to Kempton. I just want to mention before I do go on and mention my nap, just the horse that I may have overlooked in that, well, I've overlooked in that 325 at Newbury. I think the Ollie Murphy trained Alpha Karine could run out, could outrun her odds. She's around, in around the 14 to 1 mark. She didn't stay three miles on her last trip. And I think that the drop back down to two and a half here, the extended two and a half, I think will suit her a lot better. And I think the Murphy, Ollie Murphy stables seem to have hit a, a rich vein, vein of form. And uh, she might just outrun her odds at around about 14 to 1. But moving on to the naps, I'm off to Kempton. For the the two fifteen race, I am going to go with the it's a handicap London middle distance series qualifier, and I'm going to go with the course and distance winner, the William Haggis trained Al Zarakan, the mount of Richard Kingscott, was pretty keen when winning at Lingfield over a mile and a half when last seen that run was back on the nineteenth of December. I think to drop back down to almost two furlongs, extended mile and three mile mile and two here. I think we'll see him in a, in a better light. He'll go half a strike quicker. Might be much of a working man's price, but I think Alizara can. He's three from four. And um, yeah, I think he'll take a bit of beating at Kempton on Saturday afternoon. Well, we certainly get a variety of prices from Poole. 66 to one and now 11 to eight. He knows he's got that Naps uh, championship sewn up, so he, he doesn't have to take any big risks anymore. But yeah, this Alizara and by Golden Horn, who... Is a star. I think a lot of people want to be keeping on side this season. I think his progeny are getting better with age. I know a lot of his three-year-olds, especially towards the latter end of last season, I, I was following them pretty much blind and I was getting some good results out of them. So he's definitely an interesting one and he could be maybe the, the proverbial group horse in a handicap and he could go on to bigger and better things later this season. Or you'd certainly be hoping he can win a race of this nature if he's going to fulfil that kind of potential. So yeah, he's definitely an interesting uh, one to watch at the weekend. How about you, Mark? What's your nap for the weekend? First thing I would say is um, I don't think this nap's table is sewn up yet. Um, not that far behind Mr. Paul Callahan. And um, the way I'd look at it is Paul Callahan needs to get to 100 because I'm pretty confident I'll, I'll be over 100 points up by the end of the season. So he's he's 40 points short here, in my opinion. Um, but there's a long way you, to go. I um, turn things around. You've gone from being incredibly negative I, I called you south pole elf earlier and you've turned it right around now with your positivity and, and i love that positive energy i can feel it coming off the screen yeah i'm glad i'm glad i can uh, bring this to this podcast um i appreciate everyone uh, thanks for coming to TED talk but um yeah going back to the um to the naps table not that far behind mr paul callahan and you're, you're lucky i didn't put up any of those big price winners at cheltenham as the nap the other week um you know, must have been a bit nervous, but um, right, the nap. We'll go for pressure luck. 25 to 1. Okay, we're going to erode that, that lead at the top of the naps table. Maybe get down to single figures um, for the end of next month. I'm pretty confident. So we'll go for a pressure luck. The 250 Newbury, Chris Gordon, and Tom Cannon, 25 to 1. So that. Well, uh, we'll be certainly knowing what to lay for the weekend there in the place market. Uh, that'll be pressure or luck, uh, but Nap will be uh, be one of the only people uh, pressing the blue and, and backing him. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, he finishes out the back of the telly. No no offence intended, Chris Gordon. But, uh, that yeah. must have energy has quickly disappeared. Uh, Paul Callahan can oh, agree with that. 
Chris is just a bit nervous because he's laid that 66 to 1, hasn't he? But I'm only losing £3.50. Like I said, I'm like all good bookmakers, just restrict your account to 5p. Um, but yeah, who knows? Anyway, um, that's the, the team's naps for this week. Quickly, just want to talk about any other business in our any other business section and thought talk about the good old Jockeys Championship. Uh, uh, Brian Hughes and Harry Skelton must be sick to death of me because every time I'm in Sky Sports racing I'm always promoting this uh, story because I don't think it's sewn up yet at all I think it's still uh, quite open and I think it won't really be decided until the final week of the season where of course the season finishes uh, on Bet365 Gold Cup Day at Sandown towards the end of April so still a few weeks uh, to go and we've got Aintree we've got the Scottish National Meeting at Air still to come so some decent racing still ahead over the next few weeks and it'll be interesting to see um, who's going to ride what where Um, but yeah I think Skelton I think he's. I think he. I think he'll go very close. I. I can't call it either way. I would like to see Skelton win it personally. No disrespect to Brian Hughes. I think he's a great jockey, you know, and it's been great what he's been doing for Northern Racing. But I just think, if Harry won it, it would just make the jockey's title a little bit more competitive. You know, I. I. I'm fairly new to the game in, in racing. You know, I've only really been in it a few years, but I know that. Maybe it's not held in the prestige as it might once have been because AP McCoy won it 20 times in a row, was it? And then Dickie Johnson the last few years, you know, was just head and shoulders above everybody else. And it'd be nice every or every now and again if we could get a few close battles, you know, and, and it just means the next season, you know, you might have, instead of just two people going for it, maybe three or four people going for it. Maybe Harry Cobden might want to get a bit more involved and, the people like Aidan Coleman or or John Joe O'Neill, you know some some of the other emerging talents, they might want to have a crack at it. So uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be good for the game um, if Harry Skelton won. But uh, yeah, I think it's too close to call. Cool. Uh, what about um, you guys? Um, do you have a personal opinion on it? Who's going to win it, or do you think it's going to be quite close? I've backed uh, Bright Hughes having a four the other week. I think he, I think he'll win by two or three in the end. And he's in the bank right now. Is what is eight to eleven? Harry Skelton, eleven to ten. Brian Hughes and Harry Cobb's twelve to one. I mean, he's still got that that five that five buffer at the moment for Brian Hughes. So I think he'll get over the line. I think eleven to ten is a decent price. I think he'll get over the line. Yeah, I'm surprised Skelton is actually a shade of odds on. It's actually six. I should say should correct you there because. Uh, Hughesy did have one in the last tonight at at, at Sedgefield, but uh, yeah, well, that's I, even better. That eleven to ten looks even better now, Chris. Doesn't I, it? I I would probably just have Hughes ahead just because he does have that that gap, you know. Um, and Harry Skelton's going to have to keep chasing, riding the doubles and the trebles, whereas Brian Hughes only needs to ride one one a day, you know. And he's just yes, Harry's going to have to ride lots more winners to close that gap, but. Hughes hasn't been riding the amount of winners that he has been previously. And I remember I did a graphic at Sky showing their form since February. And Harry Skelton had been riding nearly three times the amount of winners Brian Hughes had in the same period. So it's been a great um, run from Harry Skelton in the last um, few weeks, obviously, to to close the gap and to really keep Hughes on his toes. But uh, yeah, 
that gap still, it, it needs to... I think Harry's going to have to get ahead, I think, if I was to believe he's going to do it. Because I just think with Hughes just still being... Even though it doesn't seem very many, six ahead, it, it we've not got long. Even though there is still time for him to overtake him, it, he, I think Harry's going to have to get really close to him in the next week or so, I think, if, if it's going to stay there. Because Hughes could ride a treble in one day and then we're nearly at double figures again. So... And then that, I would say, then it's going to make life harder. But I think, I think with the way it's been going, I think Skelton can still, still fight him. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting. What about you, Paul? Um, do you have an opinion on it? Do you think Hughes is going to retain it, or do you think it could go right down to the wire? I think it'll go down to the wire. Um, and I think it'll be like obviously Brian's agent Richard Hale would have a, a fair hand on the north. So we would, I'd imagine Brian will be riding majority of, of fancy horses, as many fancy horses as he can. Harry Skelton, the horses are absolutely, the Dan Skelton horses are absolutely flying. He had a, was it a four-timer at Hereford towards the, the in the re- last couple of days? Like, I think one of them, one of them horses, I think, won by half the track, I think, like a four-runner race. Um, you know, looking at Brian Hughes up to now, as I'm reading it, has has had seven hundred and fifty rides to Harry Skelton's five forty. My only worry would be <clears throat> just looking ahead to next week's racing. When you go to Sunday, um, there's obviously there's racing at Carlisle and Ascot, Doncaster's on the flat. I'm just going to move to Monday where you've, it's all down south: Bontwell, Stratford, Wincanton. Is Brian Hughes going to come down and have two or three winners at Stratford? I doubt it. He might come down and ride. I didn't look at the entries, but if there's another horse entered, he might come down and ride. He might pick up one for Charlie Longston. Generally, picks up one or two for him. So he's not going to have a strong hand there. I'd imagine Brian will be a faking him on Tuesday. Again, no racing in the north. That's as north as, as you'll get. But there is a bigger part of Newcastle on Tuesday. Um, then you have Ludlow, Hexham. I would just worry about the, the ammunition that Brian will get in the north. As I would imagine, I'm guessing, between now, we're just under a month. Of the championship left, I would just question the the north just mightn't have the maintenance that the south will have, and I'd imagine Dan Skelton will have one or two put away to, to maybe he's going to you know they're going to give this a right good rattle now over the next few weeks, whereas Brian I think will be I'd imagine horse that maybe Danny McManaman was winning on will become quite and the like Sean Quinlan I'd imagine they will come quite scarce. In the next two to three weeks, as I'd imagine, Richard Hale will be throwing Brian on as many chances as he can of winning, of, of retaining this title. But um, I just think the South, with the, the racing calendar, might just set up the favourite skeletons, and the horses are in fantastic form. Um, on another point of it, I think it was sad that we didn't see the the champion jockey in action at Cheltenham. It's the what is deemed to be the horse racing Olympics, and it's not Brian's fault, but. You know, you're, if, you're, if you're going chasing the Jockeys' Championship, but the, it's the way the, the system is set up. Um, if you you know, if I was going to watch the Formula One Grand Prix, I'd like to see Lewis Hamilton. I'd like to see the best drivers on show. And I'd be disappointed from a, a sporting perspective if I didn't. But, you know, likewise, if you're going to see a Champions League final, you want to see the best players. So if you're going to the, to the Olympics, the horse race, I want to see, and we're supposed to have the best jockeys, trainers and horses on show here 
but evidently, statistically, numerically, they're not on show because we didn't have the champion jockey there. And I think that's sad. I think if, if that's, I think that's something that needs to be addressed. Um, the demise, but Paul, you did mention the demise of Northern Jump Racing about a month, two months ago on the podcast. And I mean, that's relevant to what people are going on about the Irish actually dominating the festival. I mean, it's, it's starting to trickle down to the south as well. Yeah, it is. Um, that's the. I think the owners, the money's obviously in Ireland at the minute, where when I was growing up in the 90s, in the, the 80s, 90s, all the, the, the horses, the big owners were in England. So, they, you know, if you want a pint of pints, there would be a scout or there'd be someone was before social media took over, but you would have somebody at the races. The horse would probably end up in England a week later, whereas now them horses are, you know, the price tags have gone up and them horses are staying in Ireland. Big horses are over here. And it seems to be prize money. But if you're, you can't just go, oh, it's prize money. We want more money. Like if you go into your employer, if we all went into our employers tomorrow morning and asked for a pay rise, you know, well, why, why should we give you one? would be the question back. Um, so people aren't just going to sponsor races or, you know, put up more prize money. I'm not educated enough to know how you would generate or, or what would be the answer, the solution to, to get more prize money. But, you know, the late, great Ferdie Murphy, um, I can remember complaining about the, the, the race planning in the north of England when he was training in Midland. And that was fine until, until Carlisle was on about a week later and Ferdie didn't have one runner on the card. And Ferdie didn't have the ammunition, he didn't have the horses to run. But the card was filled with, with horses from the south. And... Last week on Tuesday, we had a seven-runner, I think it was a handicap chase at Sedgefield, where five runners were from the south, southern stables. I think the north, I think national hunt racing in the UK needs to be addressed fast. And I think the north needs to be addressed before it becomes extinct. I think it's becoming extinct. I think Everton in England, I think Everton is gearing towards flat race since the change of Haydock back in 2006. Haydock was one of the best national hunt tracks I've ever ridden at in Ireland or England and they had the best biggest but very well presented and they were just great to you know they rode very well the fences at Haydock were fantastic and they've changed it to the, the portable fences but that's to say it's the flat course and you know it's all geared towards the flat we've lost Toaster we've very not nearly lost Kempton and the flat would cope with that a lot better than, than the National Hunts counterparts you know if you lost the king where you'd move to king george the, and that um i would just question the 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 longevity of the sport um is not good like i'm looking towards i, I had a quick look at kelso on sunday small fields again and um i think there's one or two just one race that i saw can't get it just off the top of my head um or saturday beg your pardon maybe whatever day kelso's on there's a small again a small field that's pretty much made up of southern runners so I would just question it, like, and that, that has a knock-on effect on everybody. And um, jockeys, like, if as I said before, if there's small fields, if you have ten runners in a national race now, you've you've it's a big field, and as I said before, you have the leading jockeys available. So it's the same price for you to pay for Richard Johnson as it is a five or seven pound claimer, and you're not going to have rid. Well, it's very hard if you're a paying owner to have Richard Johnson sitting in the way room watching it on telly. Um, if he's at the at the race meeting, you know it's it's 
it's, it's hard enough to justify, but then you have to five or seven pound claim when he's doing all the hard work at home. So it's it's a tough one, but yeah, I think it's something that needs to be addressed. Sure. No, you're definitely right there. Northern racing, it has been seen to maybe hasn't been strong for quite a while, you know, and the Southern's always been seen as the best racing, but I just think now that the possibly the the South are they're coming more up north and it's just influencing the fields you're getting there and the competitiveness of the racing you know harry whittington for example a lambourne based trainer sent two horses up to sedgefield today and both of them uh both of them won but you don't you don't have the numbers in the north chris like when i moved to england first year len longo was had over 100 horses fairly murphy had over 100 horses I think yet Howard Johnson as well had he had close to two hundred, um like the Longo's gone, you know he's he packed it in a long time ago, um before Fairly Murphy passed away he moved to France, Do you know there's nobody Lucinda Russell would have a have a numerically would be would be quite strong, but you know Rebecca Mendes would be dual purpose a lot of other trainers would be Ian Jardine, the the Keith Douglas they're primarily they're dual purpose trainers there's no. Like I know there's always been that north-south divide and, and if you had a horse coming down from the north to the south, you know, a 130 horse rated in the north compared to the south, you'd, you'd fancy a 130 horse in the south any day of the week. Um, but Nicky Richards, I suppose, as well, would be numerically one of the stronger ones um, and would probably be one of the best, better horses. But apart from that, two, three trainers, like look at the jockeys, Brian Hughes, Danny McManaman, Henry Brooke, Sean Quinlan, Brian Hughes would probably be the, the jockey that would be making off the top of my head a real substantial living out of the game. Maybe Sean Quinlan, Danny McManaman to a point and Henry Brook. But apart from that, there'd be a lot of guys would be, you know, they'd be struggling off riding fees. No, definitely. It's the ta- I'm not saying they're not talented, but it's very hard for a lot of these people, especially up in the north, to, to make a good living out of it, you know. And it's just feels like the the competition up there has been diluted so much but by by the seven raiders you know coming up ideally maybe for the better ground but just for the fact that the racing's less competitive and they know they they stand a little bit more of a chance of maybe some of their lesser lights as it were so yeah it's definitely interesting and who knows if it will have a bearing on, on the jockeys championship and if, if it might cost brian hughes but yeah that's um all we got time for this week um thanks for listening to the podcast uh, where we've had to get our flat caps back on literally um and also as well reviewing some of the action at newbury looking forward to seeing also as well some of the action from dubai i know we haven't really spoken about it but some great racing there as well so um yeah really looking forward to seeing the action this weekend but yeah if you haven't done so already remember to uh subscribe here to our podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to whether it's spotify apple soundcloud just remember to subscribe follow us on twitter as well where our handle is at in the saddle pod please gamble responsibly and we'll be seeing you soon